Global Capital Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Global Capital Podcast. I'm Ralph Sinclair and I'm the editor of Global Capital. And I'm John Hay, the Corporate Finance and Sustainability Editor. Each week, we bring you some of the most interesting stories from around the world's capital markets. And this week, we're taking a look at the equity capital markets, but not just any old bit of ECM. This week, we're plunging into emerging market ECM. Developed world equity markets have rallied like nobody's business since an initial plunge when the coronavirus pandemic began, buoyed by a truckload of central bank monetary support and then augmented by hopes of a recovery. Issuance in those markets has boomed since that time, as companies sought to rescue their balance sheets, raise capital to take advantage of the recovery, or sellers and founders look to cash in on sky-high valuations. Indeed, they've become a crowded place, with investors wincing at prices and balking at the amount of business being shoved down their throats. Certainly, they complain that it's very hard to find any value, but there may be hope in the less crowded emerging markets. Right back at the start of the year, Investors as famous as Jeremy Grantham of GMO were urging investors to get in on emerging market equities. Has Grantham been proved right, John? Well, not exactly, or not yet. It's actually oddly been quite a poor year for emerging markets as a whole. The MSCI Emerging Market Index is up 2.8% so far this year, but the All Country World Index has done much better. It's up about 16%. Um, and the reason, but interestingly, there's a sort of bifurcation because some of the big markets, especially in Asia, like China, are have are down. You know, China's down 7.6% this year. Um, but that's hiding the fact that some of the other markets are doing much better, notably uh, EMEA emerging markets, and in particular Russia, which is, of course, very geared to the oil price, which has gone up massively this year, about 55%. And that's helped Russia's stock market soar. It's up 28% for the year. And that is also bringing a number of deals to the market and, you know, with issuers wanting to take advantage of the higher valuations. Covering this story for us has been Victoria Teela, our equities reporter. We spoke to her about what opportunities there were for greater EM equity issuance. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Rob. Uh, Russian equity capital markets are getting particularly busy. Can you tell us about what's come to the market most recently? So this week, we've seen four important deals in Russia. There were two IPOs. That's first Renaissance Insurance. They're the fourth largest life insurer in Russia. The life insurance market has been really booming there recently. And they're raising approximately $207 million. Details will follow. It was just announced. Another IPO is Softline, that's a cybersecurity firm that will be a dual listing in Moscow and in London because the headquarters are here, but the founder is Russian. And they're expected to raise around 400 million in a primary offering. But again, more details will be announced. And then we had two follow-on deals. That was, first of all, Peak, that's the largest residential developer in Russia. They raised around $400 million that pressed this morning. And then we have Ross Agro. They're a sugar beet producer and agriculture firm, and they raised around $275 million yesterday. And is that especially busier than usual for Russia? 
Yes, it is. We have so far this year have had three IPOs. They raised um, nearly $2.7 billion in rubles, of course. And so we had these two more IPOs this year. That's the, the busiest it has been since 2007. And it definitely beats last year by far. So it is quite busy this year. And why do you think it's busier this year? The most important factor might have been the oil price. We've seen that the Russian benchmark index is up twice as much as the DAX and four times as much as the FTSE 100. And of course, the recovery from the coronavirus pandemic has played a role, as on so many markets this year. So company owners are taking this opportunity to raise some capital or sell down some stocks. We've seen uh, a nice example of that this week, the Ross Agro founder and um, main shareholder Vadim Moshkovich. He went public with his company around 10 years ago for £15 a share. Then it fell quite a bit in 2016. It went back to IPO price. He sold a few more shares. The stock dropped again. And now another five years later, it has again reached IPO price and immediately he sold a share. And now it's um, it's actually not gone down very much so far, but we'll see where it goes in the future. But he definitely used this this very favorable circumstance to do that. Well, it's always good to see a seller with a consistent target, and it's obvious why sellers are interested in Russian ECM. But who's buying? Because it's, it's been quite a difficult market to get involved in over the last few years, hasn't it? There's, there's been uh, reams and reams of sanctions uh, from the US and the EU. Well, after the annexion of the Crimea in 2014, we've certainly seen a large drop in international investments in Russia. But then over the recent years, we've seen an easing of the situation. So they have been gradually coming back to the market as sanctions eased a bit. And what about domestic demand? Has, has that been able to make up for the foreign investors being away? It's definitely grown a lot recently. So for Rosagro, I know that the share of domestic investors was 50%. And for Peak, the housing developer, it was 40%. And we've also seen a massive increase in retail investors during the pandemic because as in so many other markets, individual people have discovered the stock market while the pandemic prohibited other spending. And so what about the current political situation now and how is that affecting how investors view Russia? First of all, domestically, there was a large election in Russia lately, but nothing much has changed. The United Russian Party has again yielded a large majority with a relatively low turnout. On internationally, a bit more has changed for the better, though. U.S. President Biden is signaling that he's more open to collaborate with, with Russia. And finally, there has been the question of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. That's a gas pipeline that Russia is building through the Baltic Sea to Germany. And it's been very controversial because the U.S. didn't want Germany and Europe to be so dependent on Russian gas. But of course, Germany wants the gas. So there has been a bit of tension around that. But now Merkel and Biden have reached a compromise, which means that the pipeline can be completed and that will be a major economic advantage for Gazprom and Russia. But if the Russian index is already up 28% this year, does it really have much further to go? What, what could push it any higher? 
So we've seen how well the Russian index and the market has been performing, and a lot of investors have certainly noticed that, and they are going there. But there is still a lot of interest in the market, especially with how poorly the Asian indexes have been performing. So it could be expected that a lot of investors who have been previously focusing on the Asian emerging markets will now find it much harder to ignore Russia since it has been outperforming the region so much this year. So, Victoria, what's happening in emerging markets in this time zone away from Russia? What about the Middle East, for example? We have seen quite interesting developments in the Middle Eastern markets. One example is Abu Dhabi. ADNOC, the drilling division of their national oil company, just listed and raised $1.1 billion in an IPO which is a sign that they are moving away from the very state-funded business model towards a more open market, which will be necessary for their turn away from oil and fossil fuels. Another important market that investors are expecting to become more active is Saudi Arabia. It's a quite big market that has been traditionally difficult to access for the public, but they are opening up. And investors are especially expecting the financial sector to be doing very well in the future because that will be quite important after they are transitioning away from oil and fossil fuels as well. So hopefully two parts of the capital markets there where investors jaded by trying to keep up with the S&P 500 can hopefully find some respite. Thank you to John and Victoria for joining me for this episode of the podcast and to Gerald Hayes, our producer, for editing it and putting it all together. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. It's free and we have a new episode out every Friday afternoon and we publish that to all of the major platforms. Just go to Global Capital uh, and search for that on any of them and you should find us there. Um, Also, do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. whether you have an opinion on what we've talked about on the podcast or if you have an opinion on the podcast in general, um, or if you want to take part even, uh, just drop a line to podcast at globalcapital.com. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.